I've kind of wanted to like start with a cold open one of these times instead of the hello and welcome to the wet's talk. You know, it'd be funny if we were like talking about dicks and shit, for, <laughs> and then when it just comes on, and I'm like, oh, fucking, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the wet's talk podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're so nice, veiny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Wet's Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wetzel. And with me, my co-host is Ian Wetzel. We're starting. Oh, we're starting. <laughs> I'm glad we chose to jump in there, to be honest. I mean, where else would you start? And, Good point. And uh, with us again is Jake Essex. Yep, talking about dicks. Oh, oh. I thought we were talking about bananas. My bad. Yeah, they're nice and veiny. Yeah, I mean, if you don't find the veiny... That's what we call bananas in Kentucky. Oh, dicks. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Yeah, you should know that. So... (laughs) All right, so so it's really fucking hot. How you you hanging in there, brother? uh, Have you gone outside and felt the heat? Oh, yeah, you have, because you had to go to the train. I just went to to the little burger shop in town, and oh, boy, it's warm. 107. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful weather. How, what, what temperature Crazy. is it in Kentucky? I'm looking right now. It is... Right now, it is 77 degrees out. No, you can go fuck yourself oh. then. <laughs> it's like heaven outside. That's yeah. what that's what temperature um, was when I was golfing at 7 a.m. this morning. It was about 70. But out the there. humidity is 81%, so... It's really, it, it's like, Human. even if it, even at 77 degrees, it feels like it's at 90 all the time, dude. It's crazy. All right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll let you have this I'll one. I'll let you have it. All right. <laughs> 107, though, seriously. I can't, I don't believe it. I literally don't believe you. You're going to have to <laughs> show me. <laughs> Let's look at the, <laughs> the temperature. That's how I know how to spell temperature in Days Creek. It's 102 right now. Yeah. Wow. Here. I have to show you. Screen sharing right now. You guys aren't even really in the desert. Are you? No. No, we're not. You seeing this? Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Pretty crazy, man. It's going to be hot. For you guys until like midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's start out with a topic first because it's so hot we have to turn off the air conditioner. Well, it's not so hot we have to turn off the air conditioners. We have to turn off the air conditioners because we record. I don't want to have that in the background. So we got to keep this moving along swiftly. So first topic, I'll give it over to... Ian. Oh boy, we're gonna start with the that beholder. one. Beholder. Okay, so uh, I don't know if either of you guys have ever experienced the wonderful process of buying a pre-built computer. Um, if you go through a major retailer like Dell or something, you can go you can go various SKUs. So they'll they'll have like the regular like basic like you you want to get on the internet and look at YouTube every once in a while. And you don't know anything about computers, so you buy one off of Dell or HP or whatever, <laughs> Lenovo or whatever other uh, retailers sell those. And then they, they step it up, and then you get to, like, the 
gaming uh, peripherals and whatnot, where where they put in parts that look good in, on on a spec sheet. Like they say, like they got 16 gigabytes of RAM in it. They got a certain graphics card in it. They've got all these things that they say in there that look good on a spreadsheet. But the problem is you end up getting these things and they've got a RAM in there that doesn't have heat spreaders on it. They've got a, a power supply from a company that you've never heard of that doesn't have any certification on it. No 80 plus bronze, gold, none of that. None, no like credentials on any of this shit. And they're not built to like like if you were going to put that same amount of money in and build it yourself, you would have a rig that is just so much more reliable and dependable. And the same goes for laptops. Like it's not realistic to build your own laptop, really. But those companies, they have this bloatware in these laptops, and they have this failure rate where you're expected to have to buy them again. And I was just wondering whether or not you guys thought that that was ethically acceptable that they they kind of like they take advantage of the the layman this is like you go to a most people would probably consider dell to be a reputable computer company so they go buy a dell computer and then it it works okay it doesn't work great uh sometimes like stuff comes unplugged in the like it rattles loose in the fucking uh shipping and whatnot and they these people buying this they don't know how to fix that They, they don't know how they don't build computers or interact with the insides of them what are your guys' thoughts on that kind of stuff? <clears throat> well, I really hate that. Um, they do that with, like, Apple does that with their iPhones. They got in big trouble um, for basically, like, updating their software so that it it made the phone age more rapidly. So that really pisses me off, and I don't think it's ethical at all for any company to do something like that. Um of course, I think that's how they make all their money. So oh yeah, they're definitely they're gonna... making their money by by shortchanging the the parts internally, and then they, then they on top of that they yeah. charge that extra you know like building fee, which is respectable, whatever. Like that's an honest to god fee. If they're putting it mm-hmm. together for you, they had labor costs involved with assembling the computer and whatnot. But yeah, overpriced and uh, like I've I bought this computer and it's worked really great. Um, <clears throat> for what I do on it. Now, if I, I almost guarantee Ian that you would probably not buy this laptop because, <laughs> <laughs> because, well, uh, I think that you know more what you're talking about than I do when it comes to these, this kind of thing. So I, I've built the rig I'm on now and I'm in the process of putting like together a list to, to build another one here pretty soon. I've I know my way around computer parts. Just I'm not like uh, I'm not a professional, but I am definitely a hobbyist who who understands the the ways as they work. I've always wanted to build my own computer, but I just I get scared or I don't have the money to do it, and it looks you know intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do it wrong or something. That's why I've never done it. But yeah, the whole bloatware and. Uh, and just like selling us crappy products, yeah, that should stop. And hopefully it does one day. You know, it's gotten to where it's like a trend now. Like they used to make cars and trucks so they would last for, you know, oh, yeah. 20 years. Mm-hmm. But now <laughs> now you drive a car for, you know, 10 years and it, it goes out on you. Engine explodes. So you never really know what you're buying these days. Yeah, I don't think anyone's for conning people like that to to 
you know, sell your product or make money on it. So, but I'm interested in, and how, uh, how or do you figure out how to like work around that stuff or how do you, um, how do you know what you're buying and buy smart and stuff like that and uh, look through those types of things? Well, the first thing I would suggest is you're going to pay a little bit more and you're going to buy from a boutique, uh, studio instead of Dell or Lenovo or HP or those guys. There are, uh, there are companies, um, I think there's one called BLD. There's like, there's some smaller companies that offer these services that sort of build computers. And you can sometimes like have a parts list where you like pick stuff out and they basically assemble it all, case it, charge you an assembly fee and send it to you. And so like that, that is a great service in my opinion, in terms of like, if they're going to actually take the time to do that correctly. For me, it was just more of the, the fact that these big companies that people have grown to trust over the years have taken this big step in terms of like, let's put it this way. Back in the day, if you were going to buy a computer and you bought a Dell, it would work for fucking ever. Like those old Dell computers just fucking ran. They just did. Schools had those old Apple, uh, fucking enclosed. Yeah. (laughs) Those enclosed PCs. I mean, those ran forever. Like stuff used to just, like he was saying, stuff used to be a little bit more reliable, but there's so much more of the market coming out of China now and these factories that can just shit out these crappy products for cheap that they can buy up and it, it has the right specs. It says the right thing so they can, they're not lying. It, it, this is eight gigabytes of RAM. It might be eight gigabytes of RAM that's going to die in six months, but it's eight gigabytes. Yeah, I, I just... It's super confusing at first glance to me on what, like, I've never pulled the trigger on buying a PC for a lot of those reasons, and I just don't know what I'm looking for or what I'm looking at. I'd have to do more research into stuff, and it's just kind of daunting. So that's why I haven't bought, like, a PC oh, or anything I get, like I get it. I get it. When I first bought my, when I first built my computer, it was, it was a endeavor, and I was worried the whole time that I was going to break something <laughs> or it wasn't going to fucking turn on, but... Computer That's building has biggest... never been easier. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a YouTube video for everything out there, right? So you can learn anything basically on YouTube. So They'll show you um, what they bought, like on Newegg, mm-hmm. and then you'll see it all delivered, and then you can build it with them. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I. That's probably one of the big reasons that I haven't, swapped over to getting a computer or anything is just because I haven't put the time in to look into that. And, um, yeah, like I don't even know the price range. I'd have to look into like what kind of computer I'd be able to afford and stuff like that. And like consoles just simplify it, make it baby for you. Like, Oh, just buy this next console. Uh They do. They simplify it and they run games if you're going to build a computer for a comparable price as a console, you'll probably be able to run games a little bit nicer on the console in most terms. Just because it's proprietary software, it's software developed and sold at a lower rate than, or at a lower price point than consumers can buy things. Um, people are willing to make deals with people like Sony and Microsoft because they sell fuck tons of this product. They might not make as much money as if they sold that same product on the consumer market. Uh, because they could sell it for more, but they get like a guaranteed, like right now, ship a million units of this, just gone out of the warehouse. 
They get deals. They've kind of the console um, manufacturers, I guess, have really kind of mastered that art of like uh, ripping people off. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, because. Yeah, they they force you to buy the next console, you know. It's just like them pre-building PCs and saying, "Oh, sorry, you can't upgrade this laptop. Uh you're going to have to buy the next one." Oh, yeah, buy they the do next... that. They, a lot yeah. of those pre-builds will come with um components soldered on. So you can't take them mm-hmm. off even if it's a part that could be uh changed in and out later or whatever if it on a regular like if it came stock standard. They'll solder that shit on so you can't take it off without ruining stuff. Yeah, yeah, and consoles have mastered that. If you even open the console, you lose your warranty's gone. Manufacturers, yeah, your warranty, yep. your warranty, <laughs> warranty. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So that's crap. That's crap. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember uh, with the three sixties? You could pop open the little thing on the vent on the uh, on the top of the console, and. You could open it up. It may not have been in the original 360, but in the Slim, you could open it up and remove the internal hard drive from the console. But that voids your warranty if you do that, I'm pretty sure. Or that was a big thing. I didn't know that. You can can do that with the PlayStation 4, too. I'm pretty sure with the PlayStation 4, you can replace the internal hard drive. But with the PlayStation 4, it's so easy to buy, like, a big external hard drive. Like, I have a 4-terabyte mm-hmm. hard drive that's just an external drive that plugs into USB. And I wouldn't, I don't understand why you'd bother going through the process of just tearing open your system for that at that point. But next generation is going to be harder. I installed, a new, I installed a new internal drive for mine because it was 500 gigabytes, and I just got, like, a like the terabyte one or something because it was like on sale on Amazon, super yeah. cheap. Well, it was like the PlayStation terabyte. Next generation is going to be harder because they, they got yeah. this proprietary half SSD, half hard drive thing for PlayStation. It's like a, I don't even know what to call it, but the fact that they're going to SSD, SSDs are a lot more expensive than hard drives. Uh, you can buy a couple terabyte hard drive for like $40, 50 but an SSD mm-hmm. that's a terabyte is like over a hundred, so it's it's going to be interesting to watch watch what this next generation does because this is where consoles and PCs won't ever have been closer than they're going to be in this generation, and I can see this kind of going into this weird space where they're almost the same thing because these are literally computer parts in these consoles at this point. Uh, the processors in these are a Ryzen processor. Um, and I don't know exactly what the graphics was in it, but it's just weird to see these companies all of a sudden like it. These are computers. They're small computers. They're compact and built to do specific things, but they're a computer. So swapping on over to a different topic, maybe we can uh, go to Jake for this one. What's your next topic? <clears throat> all right. I'm having trouble deciding. Um, would you guys rather talk about, I want to do top three. I think that would be interesting. I like the list that we did last week, so I think it would be cool to talk about top three right now. And that's that would go well with we're talking consoles too. Yeah, it's all it's all folding together. Why don't we do this in a a roundtable from uh, we all give our third pick, and then we'll give our second pick, and then we'll all give our first pick. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Who do you want to go first, Jake? 
you go first. Okay, my my third favorite protagonist is a shock. If you would have told me that this would have been one of my favorite pro- protagonists, like just like two years maybe ago, or yeah, just that long ago, uh, I I would have like laughed and been like, "What the fuck? That doesn't even make sense." My third is Kratos from God of War. <laughs> Reboot Kratos, though, correctly. Reboot Kratos, yeah. not. Christopher the, Judge yeah, Kratos, because that makes a big difference. Christopher Judge Kratos, yeah. I'm talking 2018 God of War Kratos. I really, nice. like, go talk about going a whole 180 of I couldn't care less about this character and what, how he feels to I'm so invested into this character and I can't wait for the next game. Is it because like, of the boy? Is it is that why you like him more? Or is no, it just not, his whole character? Not all. I do like the father-son relationship. I mean, Uh like, that's a pretty cool kind of... I mean, like, the parent looking after the child is like... That's like The Last of Us. I mean, that's worked for Sony so so much. So, I mean, that probably has a lot to do with it. But I also feel like he just shows, like, regret for his past. Uh, He shows, like, restraint on himself. Like, he's trying to restrain it from going to his old ways, but he has to, he has to resort to being the God of war. And it's just like, I like seeing that battle and you, especially with like the, the mocap, you can really see that. And it's like, Oh, one of the parts that gives me chills every time I see it is the very beginning where he, uh, he gets a knock on the door from the stranger and the guy just like punches him in the face and he's like, ah, takes it. Then he's like, uh, he's like leave or something like that. And he's like, Oh, I thought you'd be tougher. And he goes to punch him again. And he catches the punch and he's like, <laughs> leave my home. And like, just the gruff voice that he's got. And I'm like, Oh dang, he's about to mm. fuck someone up. Like he's holding shit back. <laughs> <That looks laughs> yeah. <nasty>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gives me chills every time I see that scene. I, I've looked it up a couple times afterwards just cause I'm like, Ooh, and like looked at people's reactions. Anyway, that's my third. Fair enough. Let's okay. go Ian. Ian, Ian next. Uh, I'm going to go with an interesting pick here, and we're going to put Commander Shepard from the Mass Effect trilogy. Oh, I which thought is, about that. Which is a character that you can really kind of make your own in the terms of uh, a lot of the dialogue choices are pretty vastly different in terms of how they, how they carry themselves. And uh, if you play a very kind of specific character, you'll get a pretty consistent story throughout. And it's just, uh, it's interesting how well they managed to weave this multiple-threaded, multiple-choice character into a very cohesive, regardless of male, female, you could really, like, invest in Shepard. And I think that's really one of those things that really made those games special. It's Renegade and Paragon, right? Those are the choices? Yeah, Renegade's kind of the the Wily Kai, uh, not Wily Kai, the Wild West, uh, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. So apparently this is from... This is from Forbes. This is this will make it a little more. This is like an argument for why Shepard's a good p- protagonist. I I would say, is that ninety two percent people ninety two percent of the people choose Paragon every time, and eight percent choose Renegade for the Mass Effect series. 
it, I mean, it makes you want to be the good guy. I mean, when you're playing this person, yeah. you want to save the galaxy. That's kind of like it. It really pushed that narrative in a good way, in my opinion. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's one of those so I struggled with. This it's less choice than you would think. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they kind of trick you into having a perspective on it. Oh yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. But that that falls into the whole why I think it makes it stronger to why he's a good protagonist because like ninety two percent of people agree with oh yeah let's do this paragon kind of choice mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting I heard that like on a a podcast before and I was like I just looked it up to make sure the percentage but yeah it's ninety two percent let me Forbes. let me interject something here real quick because it it piqued my interest earlier today. Uh, this guy on YouTube was talking about um, how <clears throat> he uh, he was really looking into the uh, modern warfare uh, game, the new one in 2019. And um, sorry, guys, my dad walked in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, he was talking about how uh, Call of Duty claims that they're not political at all and that they have no perspective and no no like predetermined um uh idea of what modern warfare should look like right or what is okay what's not so um the guy on youtube was pretty much like oh bull bullshit (laughs) because uh the characters that you play as or that you can play with like captain price there's a point in the game where captain price a good guy takes this guy's wife and kid and threatens to kill him if he doesn't get this vital information but there's another character that was a good guy until he used chemical warfare on the enemy on every i know the big enemy that you're all fighting so call of duty really like says okay well we don't have a right or wrong in this story, but like, here's your choices. And oh well, if 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 Captain Price can get away with with you know threatening murdering a kid, but and he's still a good guy, but this guy was trying to like save his country and used an unethical means of warfare, like. How, like how does that how 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 can they claim that they don't have a, a certain perspective or a per, certain stance on politics if they show a player what's right and wrong in their game? Well, you well, know? obviously the writers have a perspective, right? The writers right. of the game and the story. And an interesting thing about writing that I found is you almost can't help a lot of times but put your own kind of. ideologies your own politics into what you write it just kind of comes across like like with the lord of the rings or something you could kind of see how that could you know you got these nasty orc race and like the elves are like the high race and the humans are just kind of normal i mean there's politics in there and there's perspective right or wrong there's perspective you could be watching the orcs and saying oh fuck frodo baggins yeah, <laughs> Fuck you. You know, well, yeah but that's, not. that's interpretation of the art but yeah just even especially with games I feel like all games are political especially mm-hmm. because most games have a, a fail state so if you don't do something correctly then you fail so that's 
politics in itself right. and that right there's it's a governing certain, the player yeah there's a certain right. amount of uh like if there's a fail state in the game then they, obviously they want you to do a certain thing a certain way mm-hmm and so that's politics in itself, you know. That's, like in, that's a choice. In a Call of Duty mission, you can't pull the trigger on a friendly like Captain Price. But there's a baby upstairs in this building that you're clearing out that you can shoot. You can pull the trigger <laughs> yeah. on it and kill it. But mm-hmm. Well, there's the game, stuff I mean, like that in um, Assassin's Creed, too. You can walk up and kill just about anybody in the simulation, mm-hmm. simulation, but it'll start telling you, like, look, if you just keep killing people, you'll desync. Like, this didn't happen like this. You, you're you fucking it up. Yeah, they yeah still that's a clever way a... of, yeah, hey. that's a clever way of, like, oh, it didn't happen like this in history. You're desynchronizing with the memories of your ancestors. Mm-hmm. It's dissolving. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's one of the clever ways I've seen that done mm-hmm. is in the Assassin's Creed games. Oh, you're desync because you're in the animus and everything. But, but yeah, it still I'd... feels open and alive and full of choices. You yeah. know, it still feels like you have a choice, but you really don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. This polit polit games are at their root, I think, political. Whether or not it, how far they seem to go, you know, there's always sides. That's all theatrics, like I think. fail states. You know, like that's been happening since Shakespeare was, you know, was writing plays and yeah. stuff like his stories were political or about love or about, you mm-hmm. know, some kind of crazy thing going on between the Montagues and the whoever the fuck. Right. That was that was Shakespeare, right? The Montagues. Yeah. Montagues. And, yeah. OK. Uh, boy, I was in a Shakespeare play. Fuck. I can't even um, remember the other family. <laughs> yeah, the other family. You're failing your training, dude. I was only I would I hated Shakespeare and loved so much. It was my least favorite play I was ever in. I hope David. Then you doesn't. are lost. <laughs> okay, uh, back to the back to the list. Okay, what's your go. third? Okay, my or number. Did you three. have anything more to say about Shepard, Ian? No, no. I... Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> now right. you're third, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even... <laughs> okay, number three for me is Lee Everett from The Walking Dead. I so almost okay. chose Lee, too. Oh, man, it was so tough for me to yeah. choose. It was really tough to pick my th- number three. That's Walking um, Dead season one. Yeah. Telltale. But that... Ah, Lee was just such a... I I think people were able to relate to him so much because he was imperfect, you know? And <clears throat> he, he got lucky, mm-hmm. really, with that the whole outbreak of zombies. He got lucky. He got out of a murder. So, yeah, uh, it was, you know, it's hard for him to be happy about the world being gone to crap, but at the same time, he doesn't have to serve, you know, a life sentence. So, um, yeah, it also puts the protagonist kind of idea like the, Oh, the, uh, what is the, the term for like the do gooder, you know? I can't remember what it, the Mary Sue or whatever, always doing the right thing. It kind of puts that shades of gray into the story of right from the beginning. Like he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. But you still have to get along with him and play as him and take care of a little girl because it's the right thing to do. Right. Same reason. I really, really like the character of Joel. It's because he's so it's hard to really root for him and root against him at the same time. Mm -hmm. Again, that is a game where, like, the politics of, like, oh, if, if Joel doesn't kill all these guys, then he loses. That's a fail state. There's polit- politics all over in that, you know? Yep. 
snuck okay. in. So, All right. my second is, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Oh, yeah. Ezio. Ezio Auditori. Or Auditori. How did I forget like about Ezio, dude? <laughs> I put fucking, yeah, I put Ezio in there as my second. Because I love those Assassin's Creed are... games. And I, I... Real quick, I'm just verifying before I say any more of mine. These are favorites, right? We're, we're acknowledging that these aren't necessarily the best. No. Right. These aren't the best. These are no. just favorites. Okay. Continue. Our personal Ezio. favorites. Um, Ezio, I just, you know, I love him. He's like the kind of scoundrel turned, like, this, like, head of a brotherhood of his assassins. You know, the and he... Yeah, he fights for what the assassins believe in and what he believes is right. Getting it's a revenge story in the beginning and then it turns into like he stays in this to fight for good of humanity. I guess. It's kind of that narrative of like <clears throat> there's only so many people in the world who will do these hard things, like make these hard yeah. immoral decisions <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so that the rest of us can keep our morality right yeah and if you look at it on the templars templar side i mean Ezio's a fucking bad guy yeah you know? yeah and templars are like supposedly not that bad and and yeah <laughs> in our true history yeah. books you know they're they're like the christian saviors of of yeah <laughs> i really dug that yeah. beginning like assassin's creed one through like brotherhood and even mm-hmm. revelations was great too yep. i like I like kicking ass as the old man too. That was awesome. It's kind of yeah. like uh, Logan, you know, where he's like yeah. old as fuck but still beating sh- beating the shit out of people. Okay, Ian's next. Your second. My second. Uh, Sly Cooper. Oh nice. man! Uh, I almost put him. He has a soft spot in my Sly. heart, uh, which really boosts him up quite a bit. I know he's maybe not the most uh, developed character of all time, but I always felt like his uh, his relationship with his friends and um, the fact that like maybe <laughs> what maybe we'll get like a reboot of Sly oh. when he's old and has a son. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we please get a God of War Sly Cooper reboot? I want it. Uh, can I can we get Christopher Judge to voice Sly Cooper too? <laughs> um, Bentley. <laughs> and we need Gilbert Godfrey to voice Bentley. Oh god! Um, but no, like uh, it was just such a wholesome story. Like Sly, Sly Cooper is, like, yeah, you beat up some dudes, but you, you're getting your family's book back, and you're mm-hmm. running around with your friends. Like it was as a kid. Like Sly Cooper was probably so one fun. of my favorite video games of all time. That was so fun, man! It's like that first perfect... time I was ever introduced to that was over at your guys's house. Not a I surprise. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like best. that perfect kind of heist movie type thing. Mm-hmm. Like you got your crew, mm-hmm. you got you're going to do this thing, you're sneaking around. And the boss battles are fucking the... dope. Yeah, Sly Cooper needs a fucking remake or something like the Smash, or I mean not the Crash the, game, the Crash and Spyro games. Spyro they, need, games. they need a Spyro version Sly Cooper reboot. Like they need that level Tony of polish Hawks. on the Sly Cooper. Tony Hawk's reboot. getting one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that. Apparently the Tony Hawk one is really good. So far, people have been playing the demo. All right, what's your second, Jake? That's a Hold good on, one. Did, did you guys hear about Skate 4? 
they finally officially no. said something about Skate 4. Um, it was a while ago. I'm not interested in that. If I was going to play a skate <laughs> game, I'd, I'd much rather play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I like skate games, but the they're people have been waiting for Skate 4, right? Yeah. People have been waiting for it, and I think it's going to come finally. I was a non-believer up until recently. But anyway, my I'm number the two. non-believer. <laughs> <laughs> You don't believe in nothing. Number two, <laughs> Link from specifically my favorite. Yeah, my favorite Link is Twilight Princess. I was just about to say Twilight Princess. <laughs> yeah, like that's yes. a good one. He's he's like my favorite. Well, he's my second favorite character of all time. It's just great. You know, <laughs> I heard great. that's an unpopular opinion that people like Twilight Princess really, the, yeah, the most. Yeah, I've a lot heard of people that. Don't I like know that it. Ocarina of Time tends to get a lot, and Wind Waker gets a lot of uh, positive praise too, in terms of classic Zelda. But I really wanted to play Majora's Mask. That one looked creepy and cool, kind of like Twilight Princess. Yeah, it, yep. I got Twilight Princess vibes from Majora's Mask, but I never played it. Real so. dark. Yeah, that one was yeah. pretty dark. Yeah, but I get it. I'm Link was that... Link's one of those characters, though, that is like timeless like link has always yeah. been link and he's like he's the same character he was back then now they managed to just yep. continue to use him still in the same perpetual kind of like he hasn't grown at all like there, there's it's no the growth with game. Link, but he's over and over yeah but they managed talk about, the a, talk about a strong <laughs> silent protagonist exactly too. like yeah silent protagonist with that much like love you know that much I mean, emotion put into him that's the only character that comes to mind that's like that to me like at all you know like he's the only character who's never really said anything you know well i guess in the japanese games he has some dialogue but but we don't get that in the u.s we get like right yeah he gets a lot of people talking at him and he just does like he doesn't respond yeah i like when you fucking jump off a cliff yeah <laughs> but yeah, Twilight Princess Link, definitely my number two. All right, Josh. For sure. Okay. Bring it on home. My my number one, this might be cheating because it didn't start in video games, but Spider-Man, my favorite video game protagonist, especially after the 2018 Spider-Man. I got two 2018 yeah. uh, protagonists in here. 2018 was a, was a great strong year. year for video games. Yeah. It was. So, so if I had to pick like a video game Spider-Man, it would be that one. Uh, the, and I'm super excited for the next one coming out. I mean, it's Spider-Man. What more can you say about? I just really love that whole, uh, the struggle of keeping your identity and everything, and how his personal life kind of mixes with hero life and the struggles there. That's why I love yeah. Spider-Man. I've always loved the Spider-Man games and the movies. You know, that's why I love the games is because of the movies. Mm -hmm. And, like... Yeah. I thought it was cheating to pick him because of that, but (laughs) I do love that game so much, so... No, I I almost picked that. I almost picked him for, like, my number two instead of Link Mm -hmm. and put Link as number three. But I decided, like, I knew you were going to put that. So (laughs) I was like, well... (laughs) I guarantee you my number one isn't on either of your lists, and you probably didn't even consider it. Guaranteed. Okay. I'd put money down on the table. 
Conquer the Squirrel. Oh, oh shit. Oh, I could have called that. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> we talked about this before. <laughs> What's more iconic than Conquer the Squirrel? I mean, maybe not everybody's played this game, but as a child, when the fucking, like, old Nintendo games always had the Nintendo logo come up on the screen before, like, mm-hmm. the games came up. So when that Nintendo logo comes on, then it's like acting scared, like it's like looking around, and then conquer. You hear the fucking chainsaw start up. Conquer saws it in half, bats the sides away. Fucking logo! Like as a kid, I was like, <laughs> "What's going on? <laughs> what is this?" And the whole game is just so ridiculous. You fight an operatic giant pile of shit. The great and mighty Pooh is maybe one of my favorite mm-hmm. villains in. In video games, and his boss fight sucks. It's awful. You just run around and throw giant toilet paper into his mouth when he's singing. But, like, it's not hard. It's it's just so memorable. Like, everything in that game is so memorable. I remember giving a cow so many diuretics that it, it fucking shat itself to death. Like, it exploded <laughs> shitting itself to death. Like, this is stuff you can't get in any other game. It was, as a kid, great because I wasn't, probably shouldn't have been doing any of this. I probably shouldn't have been allowed to play this game. Yeah. But we were. This is blood and gore and <laughs> violence and it was just it was just such this magical moment of like oh video games can just be one hundred percent fun for no reason like there's no reason for any of this no reason the whole yeah. plot is the the king of the land needs uh, to fix his table because it's missing a leg and they decided that the only thing they can do instead of putting a new leg on it is red squirrels are the right height. So he was going to kill a red squirrel to stuff, mount, and use as the table leg. Like, that's... What? What the fuck? <laughs> that's the plot of the game. Conker got drunk on the way home, and now he's being hunted. That's it. There's nothing more to it. It's great. I remember, I, I was really young when I first played that, but it was with you guys. And uh, I remember playing the multiplayer... Uh, where you could play as like the teddy bear mm-hmm. or some shit. And the teddy bear Nazis. Chainsaw. Yeah, just saw people in half or like light them on fire or slice them with a katana. Like, dude, that was the best game I had ever played up until that point. <laughs> I mean, like, I love that shit, dude. And you guys had, a, I think it was the SNES and you had Jurassic Park on there too. Oh, yeah. Man, those two games were like the highlight of my years <laughs> one through seven. Like. <laughs> That's so great. Really? The, Dr- the Jurassic Park game? Dude, I love that shit. I was always like, yo, <laughs> let's play Jurassic Park. <laughs> and you were like, nah, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> You remember, you remember uh, is it Sunset Riders or whatever it was? Yeah, Sunset, Sunset. Riders, the, the 2D, um, the side-scrolling cowboy game. Yeah, it was like a it was like that a game, bullet hell cowboy. That game. was the shit. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I love uh, this. <laughs> what's your third, Jake? Okay, round it off. Oh, my number one. You guys are never gonna guess it. You should try though. I just quoted him a minute ago. I said, "I still don't believe in nothing." Is that Arthur uh, Morgan? Arthur Morgan. Arthur Morgan. You guys got really? it. He is my number one video game character of all time, and I think he's going to remain there. I wasn't and, a huge fan of Red Dead 2. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy some of the com- like the mechanics that made it. It was very realistic, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it kind of made things drag a little bit. However, the only reason I finished that game was Arthur Morgan. He was an interesting yeah. character. I enjoyed him the whole time. 
Yeah. I he's, couldn't finish it. He's a... You couldn't really? finish it? I couldn't finish Red Dead 2. Really? Oh. <laughs> I, I got to like chapter it. 3 or whatever. Maybe 4. <laughs> and I was like, yep, this game just isn't speaking to me. I'm not digging the story that much. It's just not speaking for whatever reason. I might visit it back again just because it's one of those. So it's on my pile of shame of not being able to finish it. I have a, a similar story to that involving Red Dead 2. Because I, I really, like, I, I pre-ordered it. I loved it. it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I yeah. loved the, I just got burnt out because I played mm-hmm. so much just dicking around in the very well, beginning. And all the mechanics that it gives you are mm-hmm. just so monotonous at a certain point. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. why do I have to sit here and skin this deer? Like, well, yeah. well, you know, I get that. And a lot of people pick at that, you know. But um, he he was really – I started playing it when it first came out. I stopped playing it after, like, Chapter 3 or 4. And then I picked it back up a couple months later and finished it for the first time. And um, – Man, I, it seriously, it's like one of the only video games that ever actually made me cry. Like, like, and it was because of Arthur Morgan, you know. It wasn't because of fucking Dutch or Micah or John Marston. It was because of Arthur yeah. Morgan. Like, he showed, I mean, it's just a great character. He is Red Dead Redemption. Like, if there was supposed to be an old cowboy that got redeemed, it was Arthur fucking Morgan. Yeah. Like, that's him. that's why i love him yep do you like john marston yeah i like john marston um after playing as arthur morgan i can't stand john marston but (laughs) i liked him (laughs) whenever it was the first red dead yeah love the first red dead man it was one of my favorite games but Mm -hmm. john marston man he's just like a wannabe arthur dude (laughs) arthur yeah damn it or dutch (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i really i i dug him i just it was one of those things where i was like i know i have like 30 more hours of this game and i can't go through 30 more hours so i might as well just hop out right now that was the witcher for me witcher three mm-hmm. i got a good decent way into that and i was like look i really dig this i was having a lot of fun but I can't do another fucking 20, 30 hours of this. Yeah, so hold that. What to hold me. what we're talking about with that. Because that's what we're talking about right now. I have. I want to do a topic on it. Okay. Um, I want to save it for another podcast. Okay. So, And I, I just wrote it down on my phone because I thought of it. Um, so let's move on to the next topic, which I want to do. What is more important for video games? Is it artistic vision or accessibility? I've been thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about it all day. Yep. Um this this one I really it's it's interesting to me, you know. And I'm interested to hear your guys' opinion, especially Ian. I want to hear what you have to say first. Why me first? <laughs> <laughs> cuz I I I wrote this down for you. And cuz I wanted to hear what you thought about it, so I wrote it down initially. This is before the podcast started. I wanted to talk to you about it because I think we talked about it at work once, but we didn't really get in too uh, deep to it. All right, let's do this. Let's uh, let's be unpopular here for a second. 
I don't think accessibility is all that important. Um, I mean, I get uh, having games that are accessible for people who are handicapped and all that kind of stuff, or people who just aren't that good at games. Like, there's there's got to be games for that that audience. I get that, but I I think that at their heart, a video game is the creation of the people who make it, and they they want to do something specific. They should be allowed to do it. If I want to write a book, and I want to have a a specific character but that's not the character that everybody else wants to listen to well then go read a different book because this book is about this character so in my in my eyes like let's take um sekiro shadows die twice for instance no difficulty settings in that game none you just get good or you put it away that's it and i there is kind of a you can ring a bell and make it harder but you can't make it easier yeah (laughs) yeah And dying in that game makes it harder. So the more you die, the more you lose, the harder it gets. Mm-hmm. It's this like, it's this self fulfilling prophecy in a way. And I really dug the story of that. Have I ever beat that game? Fuck no, it's hard as shit. Mm-hmm. Do I do I still to this day every once in a while go back and try and play it for a few hours? Yeah, because I would love to see the end of that game. But I also understand that uh, I'm I'm not the best when it comes to um, in it specifically blocking mechanics in games. I tend to be a uh, hack and slash. I like I will just attack mm-hmm. you until you die. Um, I struggled with that in uh, Ghost of Ghost of Tsushima as well a little bit in terms of making sure I play a little defensive every once in a while. But I I just dig it. I dig the whole thought of th- this is the story and the the medium they wanted to tell this in, and this is the way they wanted to tell it. So I feel like they should be allowed to do that as the creators of the product. Their art. Do you think that limits their audience, though? Oh, for sure it does. But I think they also knew that going in. I think they knew that. They know for a fact that if they don't add an easy difficulty, the people who play every game on easy probably aren't going to buy their game. Mm -hmm. Does that that detract or does that make it so other people that worked on the game, not necessarily making it hard, but worked on the art and the, the animation and stuff. Does that make it so they don't get their work seen as much? Cause I feel like, fuck no, I can go right now and watch the entire game streamed on YouTube. If I want the entire game, I can go see the yeah, whole but, fucking thing. So that art is out. But there. you don't get to experience it though. That's true, I guess. But Again, not from the controller sticks, but from yeah. you know, you can watch somebody else play it and experience it that would way. It, would it detract from like a- allowing everyone to be able to play it? Would that detract from the quality of the game, or is that just? It depends on for one the game and like who their target audience is. Because when you get when you make a product, you you have a target audience, and for video games, it's kids and young adults, right? That's the target audience. Yeah. Well, like Ian said, you know, not every kid can play a hard game. And some kids are handicapped. And, um, but as far as like, okay, so just, they have the game pad for the handicapped kids. Let's, you know, let's put that to the side for a second, talk about it in a minute. But as far as people who have, you know, their motor functions in line, uh, the way that they were, really supposed to be, you know, like all of us, we could pick up a controller and play and play and play. But the way that I see it is there's an artist who has a vision and he wants to make it come alive. And then he has to assemble this team 
of people who he doesn't really want them to have a say on the final like product he wants it to be his vision right it's his idea his game his story well then he has to hire this whole team and not only does he have to hire this whole team he has to okay it with a board of publishers and the publishers aren't going to release a game or buy the rights to a game that they think only this tiny sliver of people can play you know it's kind of stupid because they want everybody to buy it they want to be, fill their pockets. So that's why you see games like Call of Duty where they just hand out, instead of kill streaks, they went to score streaks. So now you could just throw a fucking grenade and flash somebody and get like 50 points, right? You don't, and, and you, if you die, your points carry over. So um, they've made it really too accessible in, in some games. And then games like Sekiro, or Sekiro, sorry, um, I only know one guy who's actually beat all the endings of that game. Like, I only know one guy who's done that, right? Whereas everybody on the fucking planet played Modern Warfare 2. So, I, I think it depends on the game. And I think that if they're going to make it more accessible to a larger audience, yeah, you're going to take away from the artistic integrity of what you wanted, what this does one it, person's vision is. Does it matter, though, if... It's just giving someone more options, right? Giving them easier ways to play it, or does that really matter? Just giving people more options instead of saying you have to play it like this. Okay, let me let me give you this. Everyone let me give should you play this. it like this. You have you write a book, right? Mm -hmm. And you put out four versions of it. One of them's a hundred pages. It's a fucking synopsis. One of them's three hundred pages. It's the important chapters. One of them's six hundred pages. It's the important chapters, a little bit of filler. One of them's a thousand five hundred fucking pages. It's the whole book. As a consumer, would you what would what would you want to go for? I want the the whole book, and you can choose to read it however way you want it. You don't you're not forced to read it from front to back. You can dive into the chapters. You can do whatever you want. That's choice. I guess, but you also chose to big get the big one. You chose to buy the whole book. So my yeah, argument the is one that has the whole all book the for Sekiro is you play it on this difficulty. It's possible. Anybody can do it if they try hard enough. You might not want to put the effort in. You might not want to put the time in. You might not want to read all 1,000 pages. But if you put the time in, you could probably read all 1,000 pages. You could probably beat Sekiro. Not everyone can, though. It's like impossible for some people to. But that's, that's a fallacy. Literally impossible. Well, that's, What's those are the people who shouldn't play the game. <laughs> no, it's literally impossible for disabled people, to, some disabled people to play. I acknowledge that Sekiro. already. Yeah. Yeah, so what yeah. about them? Because oh. you just said, well, I'm not talking about them, but those people do exist. Yeah. So why not add modes for them? Well, they can go watch the, watch the gameplay on YouTube. What if they want to play it though? I mean, it's the same reason blind people should have colorblind settings in a, in a game, okay, right? but... So let's use your argument against you. Blind people can't play Sekiro. They can't play Modern Warfare even. There's no Braille they setting play, in video games. You can play blind The Last of Us see. Part 2 uh, completely without vision. 100%. What? Sure. Yes. Sure, you can. colorblind modes for that. You can. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Colorblindness is different from regular blindness. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But you can play The okay. Last of Us Part 2 without seeing. So just visual or just audio? 
just audio completely. There's also colorblind modes too, so like there's a bunch of different options. Hmm. I don't know. I just I don't know. It's like my point is you can't play 90% of video games if you're blind. So your argument is mm-hmm. semi-invalid because even even most video but, games don't offer that. So just because one video yeah. game doesn't offer you your handicap But shouldn't settings. like more video games offer that those things to people? Sure. Sure they should. You don't really think about that? Sure they should. More video games that are mass marketed and whatnot. Sekiro was supposed to be hard. And the artists who were brought on knew that mm-hmm. that game was going to be hard. No artist went on there thinking, ooh boy, every but person does it, ever is going to see my art. Does it do anything to better the game that yeah. it's hard? Yeah, I think it does. Sekiro wouldn't stand out in any way, shape, or form as a game if it wasn't fucking hard. It's I refuse yeah, to but, play. A but game isn't it a choice? Easiest. Yeah, but isn't I, it a choice for other people to do that? You can still be like, I beat it on the hardest difficulty, how it's supposed to be played. Maybe, but let me t- let me you ask still you this: can say Would that. Sekiro ever have gotten the amount of coverage it got if it wasn't super hard? If it wasn't this hard? Isn't game? that a isn't that a marketing choice, really? It's a Souls game. There's a whole yeah. There's a whole market. Is that for is that really game. a marketing choice or an artistic choice? Both. That's more marketing. No, it's like both. I'm gonna get. It's both. One hundred percent both. Yeah. So I think in Sekiro, the the art is that is that for one, there's beautiful scenery, and for two, it's a difficult ass game. It's like you have to put a puzzle together to beat each boss. You gotta fight him a hundred times. You're gonna die a hundred times. But you're like, gonna learn that. That is their art. Yeah, they want you to learn muscle memory <laughs> to beat the this game. Like that's the only way yeah. to beat the game is muscle memory. And it's the same you know, thing with every soul. No game, person. Though. Yeah, exactly. And They've like always I hard. think that there is a way for a handicapped person to use that little game pad and play Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Now, Depending I don't on know their you know, disability. Right, right, depending on their disability, which is different for each individual. So how are you going to make a a game suitable for every person on Earth? You're just trying to get as much people as possible. I mean, if that's what you're going for. That's not what everybody's going for. No one writes a 2,000-page book thinking, boy, everybody's going to read this. No, but if you're trying to make something that most people can experience in your artistic form then why wouldn't you want to make it so everyone can experience what you put out there? Why are you just trying to get, like, three people to play it? Well, you answered your, if you we're answered scaling your down. question. They weren't trying. You're just trying they to weren't get, trying. You're just trying to get, like, a few people to play it? No. They were trying to offer a game that was 100% hard for people who wanted that. Because there some, there's but a market what about that. what about the people that are just working on the game for whatever reason and they don't get to share that art with people because they're just like, ah. Oh, I can't play this. There's YouTube. Like, but that's not who they made isn't it for. It the, isn't it the artistic... Does the artistic vision supersede everyone being able to play these games? Yeah. If it's just... Yeah, 100%. The select. 100%. I agree. I think that artistic vision is far more important than accessibility. But I think that there is a certain balance that you should really have... And video to games make as it a whole accessible. do balance, to, to yeah. go with Jake's point. Video games as a whole because do balance. There's plenty of video games that are super available to everybody. Yeah, and easy, like Minecraft. You know, anybody can play that. Mm-hmm. But 
there are specialized games, just like there's special niches of like yeah book readers. I'm not and disagreeing that I'm not disagreeing that like certain games should be able to do it, right? But I do think that we should bring accessibility more to the forefront, right? Instead of this, this is just how games are being able or should be played. We should probably try and make it so more people can play games. So what I would say is what you're arguing isn't necessarily the same thing as what we're arguing against. Um, I think you're saying more of, like you were saying, sorry, um, in terms of colorblind modes and blind modes and like handicap people, like that accessibility needs to be brought to the forefront of all games in terms of... yeah. That yeah, uh, those controllers exactly being saying. supported, those vision modes being supported. I'm saying difficulty level and artist in that terms of artistic choice and in terms of how something plays or feels, that should be 100% artistic choice. I don't think that any okay, of that should but, be limited by accessibility. But a lot of these colorblind modes on like The Last of Us and stuff, I I turn them on and it completely makes it way easier for me as someone who's able. But I don't turn it on because I want to play it how they intended me to play it, right? Because I don't have that disability. So that's my choice to do that. And I don't think mm-hmm. it hurts the game at all, right? Yeah. It's so just I, there for people that need it. Yeah, I get I would, what you're saying. Yeah. The whole so, accessibility thing, when I first read what you put in the chat, I was thinking like, yeah, pandering to people who are lazy and don't want to get good at a game. They just want the reward. Exactly. Like, that's what I thought you meant. That's what I thought you meant no, by I'm accessibility. No, I'm not talking about, like, pay to win or any of that stuff. Yeah. I'm not talking about any of that. You're talking about actual features for handicapped people and stuff. Yeah, accessibility and choice for games instead of Absolutely just... Absolutely put the choice in there to... to or the, the option, if you are... If you have this affliction, you can play it this way and you will you will have just as but much I, fun, we promise. Like, I can I also... I also don't see why it's such a problem to put in other modes f- to make it easier for like if if it was easier for a handicapped person to play on easy then it would be hard then why not add that in there if it's just like yeah tweaking some um some like sliders on how smart the AI is how much damage they do on that stuff for or reaction time, you know? It's just the the whole principle of, like, not dumbing the game down because you yeah. want to make it easier, you My know? Thing like, is, no, you finish make, it. Sorry, you're not. Like, I think it, it's, it's okay. It's easier to make a game easier than it is mm-hmm. to make it harder, right? So I right. guess, yeah, if they develop the game the way, the true game, you know, it's like that you have a true yeah. ending and an alternative ending. Well, the true way you're supposed to play this game is on the legendary difficulty but there's an option to make it easy or it would just be called like the normal difficulty right this is how it's supposed to be played yeah right and then you would have like different settings on there for like your advanced whatever you know and yeah and then disabled you know options yeah it's totally in a separate category than difficulty though i think and i'm not putting Sekiro up with Last of Us Part 2 because Last of Us Part 2 has insane accessibility options that, like, I don't think all games can do, but it does put a good template out on how good the accessibility can be for games. And they definitely made a template and started paving the way for that. That's good. 
But I'm not saying that Sekiro should adopt all these things. I'm just thinking, oh, maybe for the next game they could take some of that accessibility out, like uh, templates that have already been made now by Last of Us. Because video games steal from out of video games all the time. So yeah. maybe in the next one. I'm not saying they should like patch in a patch for this game they already put out because people whined about it, right? I'm saying just like in the future, maybe you could add accessibility options for people and they could choose whether or not to do that or not. I agree with the accessibility I, I options. I highly disagree on difficulty options. I think difficulty should 100% be well, I up think... to the developer. I think if you add accessibility options, it makes the game easier. Like, well, that's fine. I've if that particular on... disability option requires like the game to be a little bit easier to make sure that that disability is covered within the bounds, and other people want to use it to make the game easier, fine. But it's going to make the experience less for them. Yeah, like, and that's for them. That's their choice to make it less really for them. Fuck with Does the that harm anyone things. else's choice? But is it the same game, though? Like, if you're fucking with it so much, is it even the same piece of art that well, the rest of us Well, then they would, like, at? they would get that uh, it's like taking worse a, version, right? It's like taking but a class to the, to the uh, wherever they have the, the Louvre or wherever they have the Mona Lisa and saying, okay, one at a time, please. And for this kid, they put a mustache on the Mona Lisa. And then for the next kid, they put a little top hat on her or something. So that that's what I feel like, you know, that's a piece of art. But, like, when you add all this extra crap... It makes it not the same piece of art that the original developers wanted it to be. Well, you, you know? already have different people's perspective looking at it, and they'll get their own interpretation of art depending on whatever it is. Like, you could see the Mona Lisa and be like, oh, that's an ugly bitch. Or you could be like, that's a piece of art, right? You're already getting different stuff out of it. Right, but the art is the same. You're looking at the yeah. same picture. Right, and if you if you go in and you say, okay, well, we're remo- we're removing this boss because it's too difficult for handicapped people to beat, that's gonna that's gonna dumb down the whole. Does rest that gonna of the affect game. your game if you're playing it the normal way? Uh, no, but it's gonna affect the way that they're looking at the same piece of art. And so, what if I'm talking to that guy? What it like doesn't it affect years? how they look at the same piece of art if they don't play it at all? Then they don't have the same perspective as you. Well, if they don't play it at all, then they don't play it at all. But yeah, they can't play it. They can't get past this part or whatever because they can't. Then doesn't that affect how they view the game? As opposed to you who can. You know? I get what you're saying, but I also get I that get, the yeah. game is built to do that. That was what it wanted to do. So I think the argument that it should be accessible is just a cop-out for people who didn't want to put it in the work. I didn't put it like in the work. Yeah, I, and I copped out. I, I didn't my, get it. My biggest problem with it is, yeah, it, it it they didn't see it, view it the same as you did. But, like, why does it matter to you what other people view the game as if it's how it was intended for you if you play it that way? What does it matter what other people That's choose to play it? That's the whole artistic integrity thing, you know? It's like it it needs to hold a certain amount of integrity within it so that it's mm-hmm. a recognizable product by everyone who has played it they experience like the same pretty much the same game oh uh, you know full 360 they everyone who played it pretty much played the same game right with the mm-hmm. exception of maybe a few you know different choices but when you're taking you know i i don't know i, I i'm not against that being what a if- thing 
but I what just if don't... the game has super good graphics? Sorry to cut you off, Jake. It's okay. But like, what if a game has super good graphics and you can't run it on your computer? So, what if there's no options? Turn to the graphics down? down. What if there's no options? Because that's how they wanted it. You have to you just can't get a better play the PC. Game. Yeah, you get a better yeah. PC. <laughs> there's literally games that do that though. Like, there's literally games that old PCs can't run because yeah, you just can't. It just like is this thing is not going to be able it. to run. This thing is not. But what gonna if be it's like? Run. What if it's like the top tier? Like, oh, you can only run it on ultra graphics, and it's like not everyone has that PC. That sucks. Like, then not get a new rig. Yeah, and you just a game is going to be put out, and like the top, the top PCs are going to be able to play it. That happens. Yeah. That's a real world problem. Yep. Who? What what is the the only the best PCs? What game can only the best PCs play? That can't be dumbed down. Well, There's no options. I, what I'm saying is like in a couple years, this laptop is not going to be able to keep up with like the Elder Scrolls Six. But it doesn't have one setting on whether or not it can play the game or not. It's it just it has a bunch of options for lower tier PCs. There's not the best of the best. Sometimes they're like it's too low. Like, oh your graphics card is, is too outdated or you're you don't have enough yeah. RAM. You know? Yeah. But is there in the game settings, is there any options to lower the graphics at all? Yeah, in a lot of games. Lower there the is. resolution? In a lot of games yeah. there is, yeah. But would it be the artistic vision to just have one setting on for graphics that can't play any lower? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like how point. I feel. Artistic integrity is point. defined as the ability to omit an acceptable level of opposition, opposing and disrupting, corrupting values that would otherwise alter an artist's in artist or entitleist's original vision in a manner that violates their own preconceived preconceived aesthetic standards or personal values. So if the artists who make it say, this is how it is, that really doesn't matter anymore. That's it, in my opinion. I had a college professor who who posed a very similar question, okay? And she said, oh, well, uh, what was her name? J.K. Rowling just posted on Twitter that Dumbledore is gay. And there's like half of the... Half of the Harry Potter fans are like, oh, fuck this shit. He's not gay. You can't do that. You can't go back after all the books I wrote and say he's gay. And then the other half is like, oh, yes, she can. She's the artist. So that was a big debate in this class I had. And Mm -hmm. my stance was after the artist is done painting the fucking picture, it's painted. It's done. It's hung up on the wall. That is what it is, right? So... (sighs) This professor, I told her that, and this professor, like, basically changed my mind and said, listen, it's her book. She wrote it. These are her, this is her idea, her characters, you know, if she, if she wants to go in and, and say that this character was actually gay, then she can do that. And I, I, I decided at the end of that night, you know what, teach, you're right. (laughs) Uh, It was a big debate. It was a good discussion, but that was that whole artistic integrity. Now, J.K. Rowling put that in, you know, she put that on Twitter. Not in the book, but on Twitter. And it is now accepted as, like, canon. Mm-hmm. In her Harry Potter universe, a Dumbledore is a homosexual. So, like, if a, if a book, if an author can go back in their game, or can go back in their book and say, okay, well, this character is actually this. 
then I think that uh, video game developers should be able to do the same thing, but there's still this, like, they don't want to, most people don't want to do that because it's taking away from the integrity of the game that they released, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know. I it's, think, it's really... I, I, that feel, that seems different to me. That's like a narrative decision. I'm, I think at the end I of feel the like day, it's 100% the artist's choice. There are games that cop to both the uh, they can fill both of the both accessibility and the both artistic vision. There are games that say their artistic vision doesn't allow the accessibility, and there are games where their accessibility is so overblown, like Minecraft, that there isn't really an artistic vision. It's blocks. Um, there's there's not a whole lot there. It's it was coded on Java. It's coded on something that everything divides by eight. Like it's it's numbers. That's all it was. That was the whole the the whole process was just an experiment with numbers. So I think there's a spectrum for everything, and I think that you're going to find games that fall high into the artistic integrity, and you're going to find games that fall high into the accessibility, and you're going to find games that come together in the middle and have this happy little fun times. But I think if you don't have the games that have the high artistic integrity without all the accessibility, you're really going to short yourself on creative freedom, and in a world where everything has to be acceptable, where everything has to be, in a world where everything is is one or the other. You can't have any you can't have any middle ground. You lose everything. So I believe that there should always be the option for an artist to say, look, this is what it is. Take it or leave it. There should always be the option for people to say, this is super accessible. Everybody can play this. Because then you get the wonderful middle ground. If you don't have the extremes, you don't have anything. Yeah, it's just it's all about trying to build up meat in the middle more often, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Game oh yeah. I, I would hate the video game marketplace if all of them were Sekiro. If all of them were just like yeah. super hard and I couldn't mess around with stuff. Like I would hate that. That would suck for me because yeah. I can't beat Sekiro in a reasonable amount of time, and I don't have the time to dedicate to it. But I am so glad that games like Sekiro exist because I mm-hmm. still go back and play that game every once in a while. I love it every time. It's so cool. It's so fun to like. This is what everybody plays like. This like everybody has to beat this guy, and he's this hard for everyone. And I suck, yeah. so I can't beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, game, that is cool. A game that really, like, I That's think... That's an intangible, a, cool thing. Like, oh, yeah. That is true. They did a, a a great job with, like, accessibility and artistic vision, like, keeping their art the way they wanted it. Uh, even, I think they perfected it, is uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, they... They introduced mechanics in a different way than any other game really had. Whereas, like, they didn't tell you how to cook the food. <laughs> you just kind of had to go figure it out. And if you didn't figure that out mm-hmm. throughout the whole game, then you didn't have cooked food the whole game. Yeah. And that's the game, you know. And I think that what they did was genius, you know. But, like, Call of Duty demanding that every player gets points just for playing the game. It's like handing out participation awards, the losing team. Yeah. Participation awards. Yeah. Participation those. award. Yeah. It's crap. It, it, dimi- it diminishes the real dub. Like, you know, like the guy yeah. in NASCAR That's... holding number one trophy, you know, if everyone has a trophy, he's going to be like real bummed out. In a world where <laughs> everyone's a winner. Yeah. Nobody is. Yeah. yeah, and that's probably got to do more with multiplayer games as a problem. 
That's probably yeah. more of a multiplayer game thing. Yeah. Is making it so everyone wins in multiplayer. Luna, quit. Well, quit it, it, is, Luna. Uh, <laughs> it is now over the hour mark, and I'm starting to melt. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, let's finish it. Let's, uh, Josh, let's talk later, you know? Let's end I love you still, even if we don't agree on everything. I feel like yeah. we mostly agree on it. <laughs> I, I still love you, even if we don't agree. <laughs> I feel like we pretty much agree on it. Like, I don't... Like, we are arguing different points of it, yeah. but ultimately... I think we, we did. Pretty I much think we were kind it. of arguing from two completely, like, not the same argument. And kind of, yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I... This is for the sake of the podcast, boys. We we all have cool heads here, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, not right now. Right yeah, now, it's, it's like not like we're attacking yeah. anyone personally. So, too. Yeah, you I guys mean, are like, burning up. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't like, well, you're fucking dumb for thinking that <laughs> game should. <laughs> it didn't devolve into that. No name calling. No yeah. name calling was found. I wish you were handicapped. So you couldn't play. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's let's talk later, guys. Let's talk.